Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host... Oh man, I'm sorry, Harry. What happened? His head fell off. His head fell off? Yeah, he was pretty old. Oh, that's it. I've had it with this dump! We got no food, we got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off! Michael Preston. I think we all kind of felt the same way Lloyd did on Saturday. Not quite our pets' heads falling off, but it certainly felt like the head falling off the football program. Welcome to the Kook Center half hour, a little half hour edition this week. I'll explain why it's only a half hour in the dunderhead of the week, but suffice it to say we had no time to schedule guests because we didn't actually think we'd be here today. I, again, we'll explain why later. Um, <laughs> what has it been now? Uh... Four days, something like that. I'm not awesome at like day math, like how many days in between days, but um, that's still just as I, 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 I'm only going to address this here for a few minutes, and we are going to move on to Rutgers because that's probably just the most therapeutic thing to do, and logically we need to do that. But I guess what really killed me the most about that is not necessarily the fact that this team came out flat against a clearly inferior football team. We've seen them do that a few times during this rebuilding process. And it's not the fact that, you know, balls are being dropped in the rain or any of that. It's that, that, that feeling you got that when you've been doing nothing but defending a guy, a coach, his methods of rebuilding a program for the last three seasons and including defending the way he treats, you know, media members and talks to the media, something I didn't think people ordinarily cared about because I thought they just didn't give a damn what the media thought or, you know, any obstacles in terms of the way they operate in their job. Every time I've seen, you know, every time a media member complains about Marshawn Lynch rightly, you know, whatever you think about that, all the people say, oh, you know, who cares? He doesn't want to talk to the media. Just do your regular job. There are plenty of people you want to talk to. But then all of a sudden, people complain about the way Mike Lee channels himself. And again, I can guarantee if they were winning, nobody would complain. But the bigger, I think, for me, what really did it was after three years of backing a guy up and, you know, a lot of people, a a growing number of people in dissension about his presence as the head coach of this football team and it all just seemed to come crashing through the floor on Saturday 
just absolutely a boulder through a bamboo hut. Just crashed straight through it. This is not Nevada. Nevada, that was a bad loss last year, but Nevada is still in the Mountain West. They were still a relatively decent football team last year. This is not even Rutgers to start the year. This is an FCS team that had won five games combined over the last two years. An FCS team with an interim head coach. An FCS team that you managed to beat by 40 points in Paul Wolf's first year. And that team was one of the worst in college football history. That is what kills me. And people have pointed out, rightfully so, and I, you know, I and we'll get to this right here, is you know, other teams have lost to FCS teams and gone on to have a good season. Michigan, Kansas State, those kind of teams. Oregon State went on to go to a bowl game after losing. But the problem is Michigan lost to Appalachian State, who's currently an FBS team. They moved up to FBS. Oregon State lost to Eastern Washington, who's a really, really good FCS team. And Kansas State lost to North Dakota State, who just got finished winning their fourth straight FCS championship. North Dakota State could be in the Mountain West and would beat a good handful of those teams. There's no doubt about that. Portland State is none of those teams. None of them. They are a historically bad football program. And that is who you lost to. I don't care if it was on Labor Day weekend in Pullman. I don't care if it was 54 degrees and raining. I don't care if the crowd was small. I don't care about any of that. That doesn't matter. That football game brought the boulder through the house. And left me as upset. I think I was probably more upset after that game than the game against Cal last year. I, I have no, I don't think I have ever been that upset with a WSU football result in my life. Now, granted, my WSU fandom doesn't go back as far as a lot of people, and there are obviously losses in WSU history that are very disappointing. But for me, when you combine everything with where this team should be at this point, with who they were playing, and all of that, it just racked up as the most disappointing loss I've ever seen. And I started to talk about this a little bit on Twitter this weekend. Why does it seem like these rebuilding projects always take forever in Pullman? Or at least this one is taking forever in Pullman. Pardon me. Cal's getting it turned around. Colorado kind of seems to be headed in the right direction. Kansas is, well, Kansas is Kansas. <laughs> That's, they're paying Charlie Weiss a lot of money, but so is Notre Dame. It seems like these college football reclamation projects take much less time anywhere else. Maybe it's just all relative to me because I'm not, I don't pay as close, close attention to other teams. Look at the, look at the UW. From 0-12 to, what were they, 5-7 and Sarkeesian's first year? Now, I'll grant you there was a hell of a lot more talent on that roster than on WSU's roster. But they're back to being, you know, they're on a down year this year probably, but back to being relatively good. So why does it always take longer in Pullman? Don't tell me it's just because it's in Pullman. 
we've beaten that just I, I don't buy into the fact that the location's an issue. Lawrence, Kansas is is just as bad in terms of location as Pullman. The only thing it's got going for it is it's closer to Kansas City. Whoop-de-doo. Don't tell me it's a location issue. I don't know really what it is. Maybe it's something systemic in the way the athletic department runs things. Maybe it's just something in the coaches we can or cannot attract to Pullman. The pay's not an issue. I know that. They're paid commiserately. And again, like we addressed, if you want to fire Mike Leach, you better have $4.8 million laying around somewhere. Because the school doesn't. WSU doesn't have that. Not at all. <laughs> they do not have that money lying around. It's not a money issue. I don't think it's a location issue. So what is it? I, re- I really and truly don't have an answer to that question. I really don't. But I'd like to have one pretty damn quick. Because this is getting old. This having to worry about every football team on the schedule, including a previously two and ten football college. You know, what I don't remember what FCS stands for. Football college subdivision. It's FCS D one AA. The playoff subdivision. Whatever. I'm, this is getting real old, real fast. And I almost completely turned heel on Mike Leach. It's been now three years and a game. And he's got 12 and 26 to show for it. This team is something like 23 and 66 over the last eight seasons or so. I just... I don't know what the answer is anymore when it comes to who can turn things around. But right now, right now, it doesn't seem like it's Mike Leach. And he's got 11 games left this season to prove otherwise. And quite frankly, he's probably got 12 games next year to do it. Because again, that contract makes it so difficult to fire him. I don't know. Just what's been stewing in my head now for a few days and... Finally coming back after a long weekend, and it's still all there. Am I going to watch on Saturday? You bet. Am I going to go to homecoming against Oregon State? Yep, I am. I don't think it's an issue of loyalty to WSU if you've decided that you don't want to. I understand that frustration. I understand being pissed off. It's your hard-earned money. You give it to who you believe deserves it whether that's buying a sandwich or whether that's buying season tickets or a hotel in Pullman for the weekend I understand getting frustrated with it I really do I'm going to go because I'm only able to go to one game a year because of my work schedule I'm taking a vacation day to go watch Cougar football this season somebody go find me a therapist Let's talk about the next football game coming up this weekend against Rutgers. The old foe from last year at CenturyLink Field and one with a whole host of problems right now. A lot of issues in Piscataway, New Jersey right now. We'll talk about it coming up next on the Kook Center. Half hour on Kook Center.
Well, back here on the Cook Center Hour, uh, Rutgers game week, the week after the disastrous loss to Portland State. Uh, let's do talk a little bit about Rutgers, though, and let's just start kind of uh, with where they were against Norfolk State last week. Uh, did struggle in the first half to pull away from Norfolk State. It was just uh, 21-13 uh, Rutgers lead at halftime, but after that, uh, proceeded to score uh, 42 unanswered points uh, in the second half, including... So Chris Laviano, who's the starting quarterback uh, this week for Rutgers, threw only four passes. All four were completed, and three went for long touchdown passes to Leonte Carew, who you'll remember uh, blew past uh, Tracy Clark rather quickly in the opener uh, in uh, Seattle last year. They gashed Norfolk State on the ground, 291 net yards of rushing, getting 118 yards from Josh Hicks, 82 from Paul James, who was very good last year, uh, Robert Martin with 69 yards, and Hayden Reitig, uh, the other quarterback who played in the game, with 17 rushing yards. So a team that likes to run the ball and against Washington State, who with Portland State last week, pretty much told them what they were going to do on every single play, uh, run the ball down your throat. Uh, and they did, and they couldn't do anything to stop it. Well, here we are. So <laughs> that's not a great thing. Um, but looking at the stats just from this game, obviously I didn't catch any of it. I wasn't terribly interested to see it. But uh, Norfolk State did have a little success through the air, which is obviously Washington State's going to look to do. Greg Hankerson, their quarterback, almost 200 yards of passing, 18 for 28, two touchdowns. Uh, and uh, 101 receiving yards for their leading receiver as well. Now Rutgers, again, th that's what, but that's what they're supposed to do with Norfolk State. They're supposed to beat the tar out of them, just like with what WC is supposed to do with Portland State. You're supposed to beat the tar out of them, but Rutgers actually went out and did it. The line on this game started at something like one and a half, so it started with Rutgers a one and a half point ed, uh, favorite to win on Saturday. And I believe it has since moved, rather surprisingly, uh, to almost being a pick'em or relatively close to it. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the odds makers are watching or what they uh, think of Washington State, but it did start at five and a half. Now sitting at two points, less than a field goal uh, at most sports books with a 63 over under. And PJ can talk about that a lot more. He's more of a betting expert than I am, but. People seem to not think a lot about Norfolk State. I'm not sure that they're a very good FCS team either, so I'll assume they're correct here. But uh, if they think Washington State can get after Rutgers that well, then, hey, good on us, I suppose. Here's the biggest thing uh, that Rutgers is going through right now, and they're going through a lot. Uh, Kyle Flood, their head coach, currently being investigated by the university for uh, illegal contact with an instructor who was teaching Nadir Barnwell, who was in danger of losing his eligibility. And we'll get to more with Mr. Barnwell here momentarily. The school is still investigating it. It should have been wrapped up a while ago. It should have been wrapped up a while ago. But now, uh, the union that represents their faculty, according to NJ.com, wants all communication between Flood and the instructors who teach his players to be released. This is going to take a while. And Rutgers is an athletic department that doesn't exactly have the best reputation, obviously, in recent years. And what made it even worse was last week at practice, the police showed up. Usually not a good thing that happened. Nothing really good happens when that happens. Andre Boggs, Ruhan Peel, Nadir Barnwell, 
Razan Gross and Delon Stevenson all arrested on aggravated assault, riot, and conspiracy to commit riot charges. Huh? <laughs> they jumped up into the lead of the Fulmer Cup. That's for sure. <laughs> and they're all connected to a former player, Tahey Johnson, who committed or is accused of committing three home invasion robberies. Not the greatest press in the world, Rutgers. <laughs> Not good work, my friends. So what does this have to do with Washington State? Well, three of the players who are now indefinitely suspended facing those charges were in the secondary. Two of them were starters. So now Rutgers is starting two freshmen at corner and a couple of juniors at safety who until Saturday, I believe, only had one game of experience between them. One game. Now, look, I don't know what Portland State did to slow down the WSU attack so well last week, and I'm sure Brian Anderson or Jeff Neusser can dig more into that for you. But even they had more experience in the secondary than Rutgers does right now. And I'm not sure what you're going to get out of the Washington State defense in terms of their effectiveness stopping a good running team and a pretty decent passing team if they things keep up like that, but I doubt they will. But, man... That is, they have got so many problems in Piscataway right now, it's not even funny. I don't think Kyle Flood's going to lose his job over this. But it is something they have to be thinking about. This is hanging over their head right now. They're down five players who were suspended. And it just looks awful. It just looks awful. So can Washington State exploit that really, really tremendously inexperienced secondary? You would kind of hope they can. Luke Falk struggled a lot last week. Looked very tentative. Not quick decision making. The offensive line protected him well. Gave him time. But Portland State's zone was very effective at limiting his open options. Rutgers is going to get to the quarterback quicker then Portland State will. And so you hope that Luke Falk is going to be able to find his options better than he did against Portland State. As far as we know, he's going to be playing. Doesn't sound like that shoulder injury was enough to sideline him for a game. But you have to assume Rutgers is going to get to him quicker than Portland State. It's just a matter of they're an FBS team. They're going to get back there. So Luke Falk needs to find those options. Against an inexperienced secondary, fingers crossed he can do that a lot quicker. They shouldn't be moving to the ball quite as quickly. They're not going to be as experienced facing the air raid. You might be able to pick up some yards on the ground like you did against Portland State with Gerard Wicks and Jamal Morrow and Keith Harrington. But again, what remains to be seen, and I think we were all a little bit more confident in this game last week before Saturday, last Saturday, is whether Luke Falk can really lead this offense. He had one really good game against Oregon State and one pretty decent half against Arizona State. And after that, it has just not been good. It has been a really awful five halves of football for Luke Falk. Feet are a little bit more like cement now. He's not making quick decisions. He's throwing behind in front of receivers. 
He does not look nearly as sharp as he did against Corvallis or in Corvallis against Oregon State. Even against an inexperienced secondary like the one Rutgers is going to run out there on Saturday, you worry that Luke Falk's inability to live up to those expectations that we had set probably unfairly for him last year or to even live up to being a semi-decent quarterback could cause some serious problems. A bad quarterback will nullify a bad secondary real quick, won't it? I mean, logically, that's what it will do. So Luke Falk needs to have himself quite a game on Saturday for Washington State to really get anything done, I think. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough going across the country. you got to travel 3,000 miles. You're playing at noon. It feels like 9.30 in the morning or 9 in the morning. You're getting up at what feels like 5 in the morning. It's tough to get awake and get going, and you worry, I think, that Rutgers could jump on them in the first quarter and never look back. I think that that would be my worry. If this team can get through the first quarter keeping it close, then they've got a really good chance to win the football game. But if they get jumped on real quick in that first quarter, and if they come off the bus tired, Rutgers is going to run away with this game. They have Leontay Carew, really good wide receiver, against, again, an inexperienced secondary in Washington State. Shalom Luani looked decent against Portland State, but Charleston White, Darian Moulton still have some work to do. They're both young guys. I totally get that. But Washington State's secondary is almost as inexperienced as Rutgers. You have two very inexperienced secondaries. You just have a Rutgers offense who may not be as primed to exploit it. But with Carew, as we saw last year, practically anything's possible. Practically anything. Dunderhead of the week coming up. So is Ask Michael Anything. We're going to explain why it's just the Kook Center half hour this week. We'll explain. Coming up next here on the Kook Center half hour. it's time again for the dunderhead of the week uh and i want to explain why we're only doing a half hour this week and uh it's it's because well here we'll start from the beginning i've been very blessed for a number of years that uh, a long time ago my parents bought a uh, condominium in whistler and we have been able to use it uh for the last 16 years or so and it's been a wonderful blessing to just have somewhere uh where we can go for a really quick weekend away and not have to pay for a hotel room. I mean, I don't pay for it. I don't pay for it. So I've been very, very blessed to have that. So this last Labor Day weekend, uh, my wife's and I's schedules don't usually line up, but because she had Monday off and some extra vacation days, she was going to take Tuesday and Wednesday off, and we were going to have a nice, lovely anniversary weekend to ourselves, which we did on Sunday night and which we did on Monday night. Now, Labor Day weekend uh, in the U.S. also celebrated in Canada. 
And the particular building my parents had bought the condo in uh, is in need of some renovations very badly. Okay, fine. We were told that the plumbing renovations were going to be done later on in the week or early next week. Great. We'll stay there till Wednesday morning. Everything will be perfect. Lo and behold, I wake up on Tuesday morning, go to brush my teeth, and there's no water at all coming out of my sink. I tried to flush the toilet, thankfully without putting anything in it, not to be too graphic, and it wouldn't flush. So I went down to the front desk and asked him, what was up? Hey guys, thought this was supposed to be happening next week. Oh yeah, well we didn't think anybody was in the building. I told you I was in the building, on Sunday in fact. Oh, yeah, we kind of forgot. Sorry, they're already doing the work. The water's going to be shut off till 6. It's 9.30 in the morning. And you won't have water tomorrow starting at 8 in the morning. So we left a day early and came home. So originally, this was only going to be a really short little half hour I was going to whip up together. And it turned out I could have scheduled a guest speak with and then did it together, but I didn't have time to do that because people are on very short notice this late in the week, especially close to the football game. So, to the management company at the condo complex where my parents have their place in Whistler, stick to the friggin' schedule, guys. I don't want to have to waddle down to the next hotel to go to the bathroom, okay? It's really undignified. <laughs> Just looks funny, too. Ask Michael anything time. Oh, yes, it's time for my favorite segment every week. Ask Michael anything. We got some from Ben Weinman. Uh, it's my senior year WSU Pullman bucket list advice. You know what? I... I it just kind of depends on who you are, but I think my biggest one is is you always want to go to the cliffs if you haven't gone to the cliffs and try to go out and have as much fun as you can because, listen, this is the last the last year you're going to be in Pullman. And as most would say, never graduate, never leave, never go anywhere. It's kind of hard to give you a bucket list of things to do. You know, I don't really have anything that you have to do in Pullman. Uh, you know, I said the dunes, but even you know, thinking about it more, it's just kind of, you know, it's up to you. Whatever you think you want to do before you leave Pullman. Other than that, uh, just don't leave it. Um, from at Mark Asala, I can't even read his name, but his name's Mark. <laughs> what is the best Pullman bar to watch an away game? Or uh, what's the best bar to watch an away game at? I would say Valhalla is probably the best one if you're a student. I'm assuming you're a student. Uh, Valhalla probably the best one. Uh, followed closely by uh, the Coog. And then the downtown ones are probably up there as well. At West Coast Bias 11, that's Nate Kelly. Starburst, now and laters, are Mambas. You know, third grade me would probably say Mambas, but I go with Starburst now. I think that's what I would go with. Definitely. It's just, I, I don't know, I just, I like that better. At Brett underscore Gleason, Brett Gleason. WSU football now playing a neutral site non-conference game in a foreign country in 2016. Which country and why? Oh, man, it's got to be something, like, kind of cool that you'd, like, want to go to and, you know, you'd feel, like, relatively safe going there, you know, something really cool like that. I think if I had my choice, it'd probably be Camp No, uh, the FC Barcelona Stadium in Barcelona. It's like 92,000 people. I know you couldn't fill it, probably, but that would be really cool. So I'd go with Barcelona, Spain, probably very specifically. 
uh, from at Sarah Cazell. You just work for the Pac-12 Networks. Had you not gone to WSU, where would you have gone and why? It's a very simple answer, and it's Northeastern University. I got into that school, uh, gotten some scholarship money, uh, but it's private school. It's all the way in Boston, uh, and it's a five-year program, so it's a little, a little difficult to go all the way to Boston and do that, but it would have been Northeastern. Preferably, it would have been where my family history's at, at uh, Michigan, but uh, Northeastern would have been uh, the one I would have gone to if it had not been WSU. Very close third uh, was Indiana. Prediction for this week, Rutgers over WSU, 35-21. Sorry, guys, can't see it another way after that game on Sunday, or Saturday, rather. We'll see you next week here on the Coop Center Hour. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.